Tell me what song you know. I'm not that many songs. But I ain't going to sing. Mm-hmm. I am on that tape. What you sing? One, two, three, four, boom! Welcome to Me and the Geek. I'm me, Joel Sharpton. You can follow me on Twitter at The Rogues Life. And normally you join me each week for a geeky conversation with somebody that's passionate about the topic that we're going to discuss. Last week, for instance, we talked about Google Photos. We've talked about Dungeons and Dragons. We've talked about Marvel movies and comic books and everything in between. This week is a very special episode for me. We buried my grandmother, Nana is what we called her, Tuesday morning. And... We've just been reminiscing. The family spent a lot of time together on Sunday and Monday and into Tuesday. These fingers crossed paprika burgers. Big day today. Jamie gets his exam results. I hope he's done okay. He's worked so hard. So I'm making my paprika burgers for when he gets home. They were lucky last time. I add red onion and paprika to the mince. Then I top with jalapenos. Well... Make your own burgers with our Tesco finest Aberdeen Angus beef. Food Love Stories, brought to you by Tesco. Tuesday, and as a matter of fact, I stayed at my parents' house Tuesday night for the first time in uh, quite a while uh, with all of the grandkids, too. We had, a, we had a great time. This is a special episode to celebrate Nana. In a lot of ways, she is the reason why I do what I do. And I think you'll hear that not only in my story, but in my sister's story and in Uh, The stories that I got from my mom and from my aunt as well. So I hope you enjoy this episode of Me and the Geek. Nana, she she always, she lets me do um, whatever I want at her house. Who are you? I answer to lots of things. Joel, Mr. Sharpton, Dad, Daddy, Dada. Handsome, that's from my wife. Honey, and even hey you. If you ask me what I do, I'll probably give you lots of answers. Radio DJ, audio producer, voiceover artist. But if you ask me what I am, I'm a podcaster. Podcast is a terrible word. Barely usable and acceptable for those of us who've already fallen in love with the medium. It's foreign, nerdy, and off-putting for those outside of it. What it means, my being a podcaster, is that every week, at least twice a week, I record myself, usually someone else, chatting for about half an hour to an hour, and then I publish that audio on the internet. On purpose. (laughs) I've been a podcaster for three years and change, but the love of hearing my own voice goes back much further than that. Further even than 2004, when I started working in radio, recording the overnight shift at a local country station, then listening to myself introduce Brad Paisley and Toby Keith late into the night. The love of my own voice was inspired and excited first by the woman I call Nana. Hazel Odell Hodges was born Hazel Odell Harrell in Mississippi on June 3, 1928. Between that day and my introduction to her, she lived and loved, married her husband of 68 and a half years, and gave birth to my aunt, Hazel Ann, and my mother, Jamie Lynn. She was a hard worker, and she didn't mind telling you about it a cafeteria supervisor for Delta High School in Marouge, Louisiana, and later Bastrop High. She made a mean role and ran a tight kitchen. 
I remember homemade biscuits and sausage, those aforementioned dinner rolls, but it wasn't her cooking that I inherited from her. I got her quick temper and her lack of patience for fools. I got her sass and lots of her wit, as well as her confident air and her easy laugh. I also got the bug for recording, and it all started with Sunday school songs. Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. I get the other half on it when I learn it. Nana loved music. Although, unlike my paternal grandmother, she really was not a gifted singer in any way. Nana had a moan that was all her own, though. And to those of us who have been rocked and serenaded with that whining, high-pitched facsimile of singing, it was just as sweet in its own way. Sing. It's not coming off. Raise my arms. But it will be if you sing. He's a making a list of taking it place. He'll find out who's naughty and nice. Michael's naughty and I'm nice. <laughs> Nana loved Jim Reeves and Ferlin Husky. Anytime I hear, On the wings of a snow white dove, can't help but think of her. But her favorite by far was Elvis Presley, accompanied by the Jordanaires, singing gospel standards like It Is No Secret and In the Garden. I never thought of it at the time, but the massive exposure to Elvis's gospel work has totally tainted my view of the king. While others may think of fat or thin Elvis, jumpsuits, or jailhouse rock, I always think of Elvis as a sweet little sinner, toiling away in a broken world, searching for and sometimes finding the forgiveness of his God. That redeemed sinner motif has heavily influenced my own theology, so thanks for that too, Nana. Nana also is responsible for introducing me to the wilder side of early rock and roll. Our coffee breaks with Miss Alice next door led to a treasure trove of 45s one day, where I first sampled Fats Domino's Blueberry Hill, among others. But it was her own audio productions that ended up leading me to my future career path. Nana loved calculators and she must have had a million of them over the years. But as cafeteria supervisor and a bookkeeper at work and at home, that always made sense. The only other gadget she ever really was interested in was her tape recorders. I don't remember the first one, and I can't tell you how many she had in between, but as of the early 80s, she had already had a couple, and she was still using one occasionally as late as earlier this year. She made tapes of me, my younger sister, Jenna, of our friends who would traipse through her home. Later, she'd record her first great-grandson, Michael, and even my two boys, Judah and Remy. What would she record? Pretty much anything, as evidenced by the tape of three-year-old Joel explaining the plot of Ghostbusters to her after a trip to the movies. In the wild Why would you capture these things? What was she hoping to do with them? As it turned out, not much, other than just listen occasionally as time and handling tore most of them apart. But the unspoken lesson that I learned, even as a child, was that people had things worth saying. 
I specifically had things worth saying and hearing, perhaps even sharing with others. What a gift to give a child who already couldn't shut up. As the father of two boys under seven and two girls under two, I am intimately familiar with the unending stream of burning questions, important announcements, and pressing discussions that children bring with them. Think of the most talkative and opinionated kids you know, double that, give them a dose of Coca-Cola and a bag of cotton candy, and that's roughly what little kid Joel was like. For those of you shaking your heads right now, I'll direct you to a discussion with my mom for verification later. But Nana never told me to be quiet. Rarely did she ask me to calm down. My enthusiasm and curiosity weren't obstacles for her to overcome, but gifts for her to channel. And so the recorder. We sang, or more accurately, I sang, and she moaned. Zippity-doo-dah, zippity-ay. My, oh my, what a wonderful day. Pulling your sunshine out of my way. Zippity-doo-dah, zippity-ay. We recited Bible verses and quoted poems. I explained the plots of modern cinematic masterpieces, as mentioned before. Sometimes we just talked. About our days, our dreams, our frustrations. Nana and four-year-old Joel were virtually the world's first podcasters. And like most podcasters today, no one but us ever heard or cared. But Nana cared, and that made me care. In 2004, when I graduated college and stumbled backwards into a job in radio, she was ecstatic. Mostly because I had found a job, (laughs) and that prospect had started looking pretty dim. But also because I'd be around music and talking for a living just like we had done for fun so many years before. After a decade in the radio industry, I'm still pretty sure that no one's ever sang gospel as well as Elvis did, and that Ferlin Husky is the worst name for a singer ever. I'm also positive that my place is behind a mic. My words have weight, and a storyteller will always be prized by those looking to be taken away. Just a few months ago, I started on my next step in my career, recording my first audiobook narration. In my last visit to see Nana, I got to tell her about it, that I'd finished it, and that it would be on sale soon. Nana was wearing a breathing mask, unable to speak. She had been in and out of coherence all day, but she heard every word of that. Her eyes lit up as I explained I had made a a book on tape. I wasn't sure she would understand Audible.com, and was already booked to do my second one. Nana's gone now, to her reward, and that great homecoming singing in the sky. I like to imagine that Ferlin and Elvis were waiting to sing her through the gates, but I can't vouch for the theological soundness of that idea. I can vouch for this. If you want your sons and daughters to speak up and out boldly, to be themselves in public and private, to find their own path, and most importantly, their own voice, you have to listen to them. Value that voice even when it's just telling you about Vankman crossing the streams or a wee little man named Zacchaeus. Oh, and buy them a recorder. Every kid needs a recorder. And these days, you won't even have to keep up with the tapes. Ask Papa, has he been a good boy? I feel like a good boy. All the long box is good. I've been cold. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know which one I want to do first. There's so many, it's hard to pick. But I think I'm going to take an old one 
and a relatively new one and then a brand new one that just happened because it just kind of shows you mother's personality. First of all, let me go back and begin that I have my daddy's nose and my mother's ears. They are not attractive features. I would have preferred something else. So that said, I'm in Lake Charles. I'm in my office working and my phone rings about mid-afternoon. And it was my mom, and she hardly ever called me. And, of course, you know, the first thing you think is, oh, my God, what's happened? And she tells me, she said, Ann, I've got the paper, and I'm reading it. She said, I tell your daddy, I have got to call you. And I said, Mom, what, what happened? What's wrong? What, wh- who's died? And she said, no, she said, it's terrible. She said, I tell your daddy, I've got to call and discuss this with you. And I, I said, Mom, tell me what's wrong. She said, I read in the paper that your nose and your ears never quit growing and you're going to be in a mess by the time you get old. Now, I have to say, that's her. We laughed. It was funny. I knew she was joking. But those are just the little things sometimes that she would call and tell me. It would be funny little stories. Sometimes they would not necessarily be funny. She'd call to complain about something I had or had not done or she thought I was stupid. But that one, it just has always stuck in my mind. It's my mother's humor. The whole time I was growing up, my mother would look at me and grin and say, right before I die, I have something I'm going to tell you. And I would go, what? What are you? Well, no, I'm not going to tell you until right before I die. So one day I said, well, mama, what if you die suddenly, you know, in a car accident or something? And then I won't never know what it is. And she said, oh, don't worry about it. Your cousin will tell you. She knows. My mother died on Sunday. She really didn't have anything to tell me. That was just her little joke. And uh, we had weeks uh, where we knew that she was going. She knew she was going. There were lots of times that she would have told you. Oh, yeah. And Aunt Mutt was there, your your cousin, that would have the opportunity, supposedly had this information. You Now, you asked her about it the last couple of days, didn't you, just to make sure what she said? Yeah, I asked Mutt. I said, so what were you supposed to tell me? And she just looked at me and grinned, and she said, you know, there wasn't anything to tell. Your mama was just messing with you. From even even from beyond the grave. I don't know who's going to be at my kindergarten. Nana was a doer. Though for most of my life, Nana was retired. To me, it was really only in the last five or so years that she started to slow down. Even then, she wasn't shy about telling us about her working days. And she certainly wasn't shy about telling us what needed to be done. Throughout my pregnancy... Nana told me about working in the fields right up until the week before she delivered our Annan. With her second pregnancy, our mama, 10 years later, things were a bit different. She was working at Brody's Pharmacy by then, and her boss and her doctor were much stricter on her about taking it easy. I can't really imagine anyone convincing Nana to take it easy, but she said Brody went so far as to put a cot in the back room so she could lie down on the job and just get up when she heard the doorbell signal a customer had arrived. Nana left Brody's to go to work for the Morehouse Parish School Board in the cafeteria. By the time I can remember, she was running the cafeteria at Bastrop High School. My earliest memories are of spending afternoons in the calf, napping on flour sacks, eating all the rolls my little body could handle. Nana ran a tight ship, 
She insisted on quality work from her staff, and I think they all loved her. I have never seen a food service crew since then that had so much respect or maybe a little fear for their boss. Though you and our older cousin would argue that you were both her favorite grandchild, I've always known I'm the one she finally retired to take care of. The year I started kindergarten, Nana left the workforce. Every day, she would pick me up at noon in her big brown Buick and drive me home. Usually, I was sitting on the fold-down armrest in the center of the front bench seat, of course. There'd be a snack and then an afternoon of doing. We would do chores. We would do excursions. We would do crafts and cooking. There was always something to be done with Nana. She usually let me think it was up to me what our afternoon held, but I know better. Nana always had a plan and a project. Wednesdays were my favorite day. Miss June came over every week, and they would do a new craft project. Wednesdays meant I got coffee, mostly milk and lots of Cool Whip. I got to listen to the two of them discuss all the events and activities and people of the day, and we got to make something. They painted, they crocheted, they woodworked, they even fired their own ceramics. And I was there to assist and critique color choices. Anytime we went to Nana's, we could say, Hey Nana, I want to paint something. There was always something to paint. <laughs> I'm sure that those Wednesdays heavily influenced my decision to major in art and theater in college. Even now, I realize it was likely Nana's influence to be a doer that helped push me to work in the nonprofit sector. At the end of her life, it's not my Nana's words or possessions that I remember most vividly. But her ability to always just do the very thing that needed to be done. I hope I can carry that on for my family. Okay. What which song do you want to sing today? Jesus loves me. No, I don't know how to sing that one. Mm-hmm. Want me to sing the one that the house. I can't withdraw here. I can't without draw. What? Because I don't know how to sing it. Well, which one can you sing by yourself? Um, man that builds, a different man that builds it. All right, tell me about the time that you learned how to play Canasta. Canasta is, for people who don't know, Canasta is a, a gin rummy type game uh, that we've I've been playing since I was a little. Nana's been playing since years before that. Papa plays. He, she taught the grandkids. She taught you and your sister. When did you learn how to play Canasta? Tell us that story. I was in the second grade, and I had chicken pox really bad. I ended up missing like two or two and a half weeks of school. But toward the end of the first week, when I wasn't running any fever anymore, but I still couldn't go to school, but, you know, just I was getting bored. She was getting bored. So she got my cousin, Mutt, and uh, Miss Charlotte Thomas that lived behind us. She got them to come over one afternoon, and they taught this little second grader how to play canasta. They also taught me how to cheat at playing canasta. Alright, 
still walking on me. The Wally, yes, that's the book for me. I tend on on the word of God, the B-L-I-L-E. Mom had been in the ER. They finally got her stabilized. They were doing her heavy antibiotics. And she had not been just real coherent because they said that's very common with elderly people. They got a handle on it, and she began to... Mom was coming back. So we're sitting in the room, my dad, myself, and my mom. The doctor comes in and introduces himself, and he said, and what's your name? She says, Odell Hodges. Gave her the birth date, gave him a little more information. He looks over at my dad, and he said, now, who is this gentleman? And she proudly says, that's Edgar Hodges. That's my husband. We've been married a long time. And then he points to me, and he said, now, who is this lady here? And my mother looks him dead in the eye and says, I have no idea. I've never seen that woman before. So the doctor gets this concern kind of look because he thinks she's flipping out on us again and we were doing so good and he said you don't know this lady she said nope never seen her don't know who that is and he looks at me and he catches that look and he says is she messing with me I said yes sir she certainly is and then she laughs and she said that's my oldest daughter Anne. she said I have a younger daughter Jamie that's not here now you know that and if I had a really good story about cards I would tell y'all that everybody in my family has learned to cheat because we learned from a pro uh, she was the queen card cheater. There's no doubt about that. Her go-to move was the heavy lean. She, The kitchen table is situated right in front of the door to the living room. The TV is at the other end of the living room so that you can see the television if you lean from the kitchen table. She would always sit on the back side of the kitchen so that she'd have to lean way, way over to get to where she could see the TV. But... That would also give her a good vantage point of her opponent's cards. We have a saying in the family, we are very good losers. I mean to tell you, we, we can lose with the best of them. We are good with losing. But by God, we are poor winners. We will get up and dance around you in a heartbeat and nanay you. We were waiting on Aunt Jamie, and Michael was singing a song for her. He was singing about Santa Claus was making a list and checking it twice. Whose name was that? Michael. No, not Michael, me. No, Michael. Were you on the the nice list or the naughty list? No. The good list. My mother to a family funeral several years ago, and when the visitation was over, we went home. We came back the next day for the funeral. They had the little slideshow looping, you know, before they turned it off for the service to start. I thought it was kind of cool. It was, you know, a lot of old family photos, and I really enjoyed it. When we got back in the car, I said something about, you know, I thought that was really cool how the kids put that together. My mother looked me dead in the face and said, and I quote, I am not having that shit at my funeral. Do you understand me? And I was like, Mother, why? Why? And she said, I'm just telling you, I do not want any of that at my at my at my funeral. You are not to have that TV on at all. So when the funeral home director asked me Monday morning, you know, we made all the arrangements, had done all the paperwork, got everything done. He said, now, sometimes the families will do a slideshow. My sister and I just busted out laughing. And I ended up having to tell him that my little old mother, who did not cuss, but was very definite, there would be no shit like that at her funeral. Uh, and there was none of that at the funeral. I, we were, I was laughing with Kelly, uh, 
after the service, we got in the car and I told her, well, even at the visitation last night, I said, Nana would have probably hated this. She'd be sitting over here talking about how everybody was dressed and who arrived late and who came early and didn't stay and, and everything else. And the same thing as we were driving to the funeral, uh, she said, I bet Nana is really appreciative and of all these folks that are pulling over and stopping as the funeral position went by. And I was kind of amazed. I, it shows what kind of town Bastrop is, I guess, that almost everybody pulled over. I said, yeah, she's taking the license plates of the people who aren't stopping. Right. Oh, I'm sure she had a little notebook out recording those she'll hold them accountable down the ra- down the line and that's just my mother i'm just telling you she loved a good joke she was fun when i was a child if we miss if we needed another person to play badminton or cards or whatever it was we were doing she was the one that would pitch in her and my dad made our house it had a revolving door every kid that came in i hugged mother and daddy they hugged mother and daddy we were one and all welcome it was a delight to grow up in that household. My mother loved to play cards, any kind of, any board games, anything like that. And my house was always the house where all my friends stayed. We had badminton set up outside. I had basketball goals. We had volleyball. And there was always snacks and food and drinks and cake and Everybody was always welcome at our house. It was one of the smallest houses on the street, but it was always the busiest house on the street. Um, all right. Thank you, Mama. I love you. Love you, too. Love you, Annie. Well, I love you, too. I'm going to cut it off if you don't see me. Don't cut it off. Just don't cut it off. Let's say something. Just don't say something. Turn it off. I'm going to say something in a minute. Yeah, I'm going to turn it off because I don't need to let it run without anybody doing anything. I'm going to say something in a minute when it starts. Well, it started. Turn it off. It don't make a record or anything unless you're saying something. Me and the Geek is a proud member of the Procast Network, a Procreate production. Team Procreate is a community of artists in the digital arts, the fine arts, and everything in between. If you'd like to find out more or collaborate with other artists like yourself, then please visit teamprocreate.com. You can also visit Team Procreate to find more great podcasts like Pod on Pod or the Movie Buzzed podcast where every week you can tune in for a great buzz, a great movie, and some good friends. Thank you for listening to this episode of Me and the Geek. This is the sound of a man who unexpectedly fell into cold water and instinctively is trying to swim hard. This is the sound of the cold water shock, making him gasp uncontrollably and breathe in water until he drowns. Whereas this is the sound of a man who fell into cold water and knows how to survive. You have to fight your instinct to swim and just float until the cold water shock has passed and you can control your breathing. This is a safety message from the RNLI. Float to live. Visit respectthewater.com.
Tune into Haycar's new podcast series, The Road to a Simple Life. And join me, Vernon Kay, as I chat to McFly's Harry Judd, Ian Haste of Haste Kitchen, and Money Magpie's Jasmine Bertles about how they keep things simple across their family, food, and financial lives. The Road to a Simple Life is brought to you by Haycar, the new website for used cars that promise to make finding your perfect used car simpler than ever. Find us on all major podcast channels or head to haycar.co.uk forward slash simple for all of the episodes.